search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Welcome, BBCs, to episode number 165 <clears throat> of the Broken by Concept podcast, the number one solo cute, motivational, and educational podcast. Curtis, revisiting some of our comments from our last episode um, about the three splits. Uh, something we probably expected. you read through the comments at all, Curtis? I saw some of them, but then I just wasn't in the mood to oh, read God. others. So yeah. a lot of negativity going on. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like the general thing was people were really concerned about the three ranks. Yeah. Uh, about biggest one is people time, people with families, progress going backwards. And I think... Um, I think it's really interesting what we're going to see in the next couple of years or the next year, because mm. we need sort of the sample of the year, is how many games is it actually going to take to get to your rank? What is How many games is it realistic for a rank player to expect for improving? I think we should be taking a lot more data points from our programs as well, mm. of looking through, okay, the people that have had success, how many games are they playing? Give sort of people an idea of what it looks like. So what is a ranked player... If they want to expect results, what should they be looking yeah, at? Yeah, that's a really good question. Game. So there were some comments here. Um, uh, this one here from... Is this, is this a YouTube comment? Yeah, it's a YouTube comment. This is from someone by the name of Moyusk. And he goes, uh, Young family and full-time job. I play 60 ranked games a year. Not enough to even get to the point where LP loss gain uh, equalizes. Whether there are one split or ten splits a year, it's not going to change how much I play, but I'll limit but it will limit the rank I can hit, which doesn't really matter as the number of games I'm playing will never be enough to support a meaningful climb anyway. Not bothered about losing preseason myself. He goes on to talk about preseason, uh, and then he says, Don't know how representative my perspective is or which group Riot is should try to cater to. And frankly, don't mind what they do. I'll just adapt to whatever, just offering a data point. So I thought that was an interesting mm. perspective there. So it's like, is that player just not going to be getting a rewarding experience from ranked? And is that okay? Sort of like, mm. again, who is right sort of targeting here, which is sort of his question as well. Mm. So I also did as well. So he has a young family um, and full-time job here. I went actually in now for my data points. I looked at um, someone in Soltu. Um, who also has a young family and has gotten results through the program and looking at how many games he was playing and stuff. So this is um, uh, Nam. So just to talk about his journey here, just a comment here. He recently reached Emerald 4. And he says, um, just wanted to share my journey with Soltu so far. Ever since season eight, I was stuck in silver with multiple attempts to climb. I hit gold promise two or three times in one season, but I never succeeded. So my peak was silver one before Soltu. Uh, on April 20th, 2023, I joined Soul 2, and that's when everything skyrocketed. I hit gold for the first time and peaked gold 3 last split, and now Emerald 4 thus far. I'm a dad with one kid and another on the way. Just typically doing one block after my daughter goes to bed. Don't have the most time, but with the time I've had, um, has been highly concentrated. And I looked at his OPGG here. And so since he joined in April, so it's about five months, he's played 300 games. Mm. And so does, uh, that, does that math add up? So, does, so you said five months. Five months. Let's say there's 30, that's 300. Wait, so. He's played 300 games in five months. Right. And he's played 140 games this split. So, so I'm saying five months. Yeah. You type times five months by 30 days. 
So, oh, you want to do the math for yeah. one three block a day? Yeah. If you did one three block a day, that's 450 games. Okay, so he wasn't even doing Not one even block close. a day. Yeah, no. Right. Yeah. So wow, when things. you do the numbers, that's actually a lot of games. Yeah. If you can do one block a day, five days a week, that's a lot of it's games. It's a lot of games, isn't it? And how much how much time is, is a block, Curtis? Well, if you're in the lower ELO brackets with lower Q times... It's about an hour and a half. An hour and a half. half. I'll say an hour and a half. Yeah. So it's really interesting people's perspective, I think. Mm. And we're going to get a really things like, what does it actually take to improve at league? Mm. How many games is required? I think this is something that we should be chipping away at our programs for the next couple of years. It's something I haven't really actively tried to investigate, but I could do some research and look at some of my clients, especially in the Midland School program. Yes, the Midland School program, because that's definitely the older crowd that we've seen. That's great. I have a lot of people in there, you know, 30 plus um, with families and stuff. Um, And I like that, 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 case study with Nam is also in it. That's possible. You know, we have got people like Patrick and stuff mm, like that. Yeah. That, you know, he, he's got a very, you know, high responsibility yeah, they job. They get executive. As well as two kids, I think he has. Yep, two kids, um, full-time job. And, and, he, and, he, and he went to the gym and I think he played sport or something like that. I yeah. think he had multi... I think he did... It wasn't just work, kids, game. There was <laughs> yeah. other things in there yeah. as well. And, um, yeah, I don't have OP, uh, Patrick's OPGG no. here, but he did play a lot of games as well. He did get a lot of games in uh, again. But that's so it's sort of just like, you know, talking about, we're not saying for this guy to play, you know, it's like, hmm. you know, you got to play league. You got to play like like one, three block a day, like an hour and a half every day. As we're seeing here, you don't even really need to do that to get meaningful results in the game. We're talking about the Emerald Tier. Like, Emerald Tier is pretty Very good. good. That's very tough on the Very solid. And that, I would still not even call that person a hardcore ranked player, hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, I think we're going to really defo- change the definition of what a hardcore player is and maybe what a casual player. I think there's more gaps in between that. Right. Yeah. No, that's a really good, it, 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 it most definitely is on some sort of a spectrum there. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think expanding on that, um, well, I think, you know, I think it's our duty to lay out what is reasonable to expect during one's journey, right? We should say, well, if you're getting let's say a hundred games, a split, right? Now splits are going to run for what? Roughly four months or something. Yeah. Four months. Yeah. Right. Like, and we say, okay, if you're getting four hundred games over four months, you can expect on average in our programs, if you're coming to coaching every three weeks, this is roughly, if you're sticking to the process, roughly what you're looking at on average, like it would be cool to actually have this all statted out. And like, okay. But if you bump that to, 200 games or 300 games this is typically the shift in rank that we typically see but we have had many 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 clients over many years this data would all be available really would, if, yeah. we, if we did the manpower on it you could figure this out and i think that's very important yeah and it, just to just demonstrate it all just for you guys like our programs you don't just join our program everyone's no. always going up what would be we could even expand on that saying uh, what happens if a split where this person mental booms on a champion right. and loses all that split? Like, you know, right. how could you think about it for a whole year? Because these are realistic things that happens with yeah. our clients as well, right? So we could you could just really pull this out and really yeah. make this really advanced of all the all the things you could possibly expect. Because mm. at the end of the day, you will waste split. Again, it's not a waste. You will have lots of learnings, but you're not going to climb in, in certain splits. It's just not always up from there, even if you get coaching in our programs. I think that time back to the comment, that YouTube comment you were pulling up, was it from Mo- Mollusk or something? Yeah. I really like how aware he is of that. He's probably not going to get the results purely because he's aware that he's not putting in the games and that yeah. is okay there are many people out there probably that listen to this podcast that aren't due to their li- real life circumstances aren't going to get as many games as, the, as they would like but they're okay just getting that 100 games a year because yeah. they're having fun for those 100 yeah. games of ranked and those are 100 games of intense ranked 
that doesn't mean they are going to get massive results. It doesn't mean they're going to even improve that much. But if they're having fun, if that's the way that they want to navigate their lead journey, then that's okay. Mm. No one's there to judge them, you know? Yeah. And the, but the thing is, Curtis, I think he's more of a anomaly. I think it's more so the, right. the 60, 70 game year people. They're the people that are complaining about the game, blaming their right. teammates, not taking the... Or the, have severe ranked anxiety and they're not really... <laughs> that's yeah, right. That's right. You know what I mean? So, And that's sometimes what you hear from the community. And that's why I think like every time... I mean, this might be really sound really elitist, but whenever we hear, you know, people talk, I mean, even our programs, we don't you have like a limit with yep. you can't ask a question unless you've given at least this amount of games for a championship I, yep. mastery. I don't even, I, yeah, well, I have a limit on my VOD question channel where you, you need to have at least like 30 games ideally before you ask a question. And I don't even um, do reviews for people that aren't playing an MLS approved champion. Love it. Yeah, that's what I do as well, yeah. right? So, yeah, so you, even like you got to have we just got to have context when you're talking about the game. It's More, so important. I will say this though. You know, I am very you'll see me in my Discord in my in my below platinum program. I'm really strict cuz I just say the same thing. I feel like I'm a robot I say you're not getting the games in. And now, now in when I do my reviews, they have to send me their OPGG. Hmm. For context, hmm. if I don't see the OPGG then I don't want to do the review because I need to know that you've got a baseline, a decent amount of games because otherwise it's just, I'm wasting your time, you're wasting my time. I will say though, the biggest killer, the number one biggest killer is either swapping champions all the time, swapping roles all the time, but more importantly, just not getting the games in. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. That is the biggest below platinum killer, not getting the games in. If you are able to play... And it sounds very basic, but if you're able to play a, an intense three block for with with maybe one or two champions over a multi-month period, the growth that you will experience, even if you don't even understand what's going on, yeah, would be exceptional. Yeah. Exceptional. Yeah. And we've just done the numbers. If you do that for five months, that's 450 games. Imagine 450 games of intense league on one or two champions. It's like saying for the gym. Imagine if I went to the gym for an hour a day for five months, dude. You'll be, ja you'll be yeah, jacked. Yeah, man, you get a lot of results. Yeah. Or you get the noob gains at the start anyway. Um, so here's another comment as well, Curtis, mm -hmm. is I think uh, three splits is fine as long as you don't lose too much progress with each reset. It's annoying to be set back in tired divisions because you had some bad placement games. So again, it'll be great, great to get this number next year when we see how many games is it to get to your same rank with a 50% win rate. I want to actually use myself as a case study here. You can't use yourself as a case study. Why is we're that? challenger players. We're, because we're, we start so far below. No, but what I'm saying is that I had rank. an atrocious start. That's true. Like as bad as you could possibly. Oh yeah, you do have an example. Yeah. Like I, I so my OBG yeah. when I first started, when I came back from China yeah. and I started my split two, yeah. it was like a thirty something percent win rate over like thirty games. It was like really bad, like really bad. People would think the amount of people that would start a new account or jump accounts based off their start would be unbelievable. Mm. It was basically as bad as you could possibly get. And and I think now I think I'm I'm bordering on if I get my OBG up, I'm bordering on probably like. 70 games think about that in the context 70 games yeah. even my first 30 games were negative win rate or something yeah, you literally have like a 30 percent win rate right? at 30 percent win rate i'm now yeah so i'm now sitting on about 80 ish games right 
Now I have made it a 57% win rate, but that's coming from like a 30% win over the, like the first, nearly the first half of mm. those games. Mm. My point being is that I'm already back to 586 LP. And you're 900 for context last. Yeah, about finished about 900-ish. So I'm nearly there. And that start, that's, that's, such a, that's over an incredibly small sample, 80, less around 80 games mm. with first half of them nearly start. being negative. Yeah. So I think that's an interesting, and again, I'm not saying that's representative of everyone's journey, but I do think that's very telling of the way the system works. Um, I will say AJ, um, who's you know, the other guy in my program, the coach, he said his best split of ranked was the one that he had the worst start. I think over 40, he said he had a, over 40 games. He, he was like, so he's like, it was unbelievable. It was like 10 wins, 40 losses or something. Absolutely ridiculous. Wow, and yeah. that was the season he finished challenger. Wow. On that same 750 account. LP challenger or whatever that same it was account. on that same account. Yeah. So I don't, I, I do believe that game sample size is important, but I think you made this point on the last episode, the LP gains at the moment definitely are allowing for uh, bigger swings in LP, which is, a bit of a double-edged sword, obviously, in, you know, if you are process-oriented. I will say, though, you know, on that point you said before, and I don't want to go too deep on this, but, you know, the whole, you know, what happens if I ruin my split? Well, isn't it kind of good that there's a bit of a reset then? Like, you could look at it two ways. It's like, if I just completely shit the bed and I don't, and I you know, have a bad process, I throw away my split, I was addicted to the game and I didn't do three blocks and I did it, I swapped my champion 24-7 and I did everything wrong, isn't it kind of cool that you would have then an opportunity again. to reset? You don't have to wait till like the end of the year or some shit. Like you've now got a somewhat semi refresh start every four months. Is mm. it, you can Again, I'm not saying this applies to everyone, but it's an interesting, depends what situation you're in, right? However you want to look at it. Here's another example of maybe another ways people can play the game. Like let's say people are really busy, um, you know, maybe eight months of the year and they have like that one split that one split where they put in maybe 300 games, same as like Nam, right? let's say mm. four or five months, right? That's again, that's again, less than three games a day, right? Mm. Uh, that's the improvement. You know, let's say you can go from, uh, let's say you go from gold four to emerald four. Remember your MMR on that account is now emerald four. You're never going back to gold again, ever again on that account, mm. unless you like, you know, in, like play lose, at a gold level. Yeah. Play at a gold level for a long enough time. It's yes. very hard to get back down to hard. gold. So you're not, no, you're not losing your progress. No. Don't worry guys. You're not losing your progress at all. Pete, you, you might be looking to like a couple of divisions. Like maybe you're like you emerald four and now you're like platinum two or three, but you can easily p- p- you know, bring that up. So, you know, it's, it's fine. Even if you play that one split a year, you're still going to be playing the same quality games and you, you have an opportunity. This is what I love about league is the matchmaking system. So good. I have the opportunity to jump in, play with players that at my skill level and trying to improve at the game. That's beautiful. That is incredible in my eyes. Mm-hmm. And you're not, again, you're not going to randomly be playing in iron games. When people, when people say these things, but it sounds like they're thinking that they're suddenly, they're platinum and suddenly they have to worry about iron games and bronze games. Like, no, that's not how the system works. So, uh, so yeah, we're going to definitely see this in reality next year um, to get the sample thing. But again, I think that everyone is really overdrawn as eyes. And, and, you know, when I'm reading all the comments about, you know, rank and stuff like that, again, I just hate reading those comments because guys, you, we're missing the point about mm. league and improvement, you know? 
that's not the fun part. The rank's not the fun part. It's playing the game, making the decisions, improving champion mastery, thinking about how can I push this situation in this game? How can I, you know, fix that death? How can I skirmish better? That's way more fun. So, you know, we as a as a community, we still got we got a lot of work to do about pushing people away from focusing on rank and win rates. God, I hate hearing about win rates. Win rates, I have not cared about my win rate on my account forever. Couldn't care less. Because guess what? My gameplay makes sense. I'm not confused why I don't have maybe a 40% win as a champion. Yep. Yeah, and again, it doesn't tell. It doesn't really tell you much. I uh, I was getting abused every game for picking Talia on my account, and people would searching my win rate and saying, "Stop trying to stop stop trying to play Talia and play Syndra or whatever it was." And now Talia is my best champion. There you go. So and now no one's saying shit, Jack shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just because please, please play Talia, coach. Yeah, now Curtis. it's the other way around. So it's you know at the end of the day, it just it doesn't really tell you much. It's about where you're heading anyway. Um, do you mind if I hijack a, Go a ahead, thing, Curtis? Your your time to shine now, Curtis. So I love how on this, I love how on this podcast and in our in our own time during the week, we're able to evolve concepts that we once believed in or like you know we have a take on something and then we change i've had a bit of a a turnaround a bit of a 180 on a particular thing not full 180 but i would say a significant change now one of the mantras in this podcast has always been the significance of owning your player identity chant mastery ticking all these boxes and you know i think that I, and I want to caveat by saying, I think what I'm about to talk about, this is not going to apply to many people, but I think I, I think it will help dramatically the people that it is targeting. So I'm really speaking specifically Master Plus here, but I think it's an interesting idea. Now, I now believe in meta more than I ever have. Oh, okay? spicy. So in back... Okay, as the game has gotten older, players understand the game more. We live in an age where there is an an abundance of educational content. There's a a lot of amazing streamers. You can watch your best players anywhere and everywhere. And as a result, people are just better at the game. You are punished more now in Season 13 for not playing meta more than ever. You could play off meta relatively confidently in Season 7, Season 8, Season 9... Every single year, it has gotten harder. Now, this is why players that are playing genuinely, I would say, suboptimal solo queue champions who are one tricks are so rare in high challenger and challenger. You just don't see them that often. You know, the ones that are one tricks and high yellow typically are playing champions that are relatively good in solo queue, like a Talon OTP or a Katarina OTP or something like that. It's very rare that you will see a random like a, a random like Casio OTP or something in high challenge. It's rare. It happens, but it's rare, right? My point being is that because the player base has gotten better and better and better, meta matters more. Playing the meta and playing the champions that are actually good in a given patch matter more. This is backed up now more than ever. If you go onto the top, let's use the Korean solo queue ladder, most of the mid laners have the identical pool. They all have the highest challenger mid laners. They basically have, the, they all play Tristana, Azir, and Jace. Basically. Mm-hmm. I would say you go on the ladder, sort by the top mid laners, all basically identical pool. Now, something that inspired me to change my take is actually a conversation I had um, with a rider recently. So I've had a massive, I've had a massive problem with Zed recently. 
I think What's your problem with Zed? So I think I think Zed is in not an okay state. I think if the champion has played well and built correctly with Hydra and First Strike or Conqueror, it has little to no counterplay. I think it is up there with one of the most broken things. I'm going to say straight up broken yeah. things. The game is uh, had. It's so funny because when you said that, I have not experienced that at all. Eh? You versus must be so rare. The, the, yeah. And I have, I, I, you know, I, and I listed out specifically why this is the case, yeah. right? And the way Hydra covers all the weaknesses, limits counterplay, makes it non-interactive. Very similar to that of Shiv LeBlanc, right? Uh, Shiv LeBlanc, right? Where once Shiv, once LeBlanc's complete Shiv, she becomes very non-interactive. You don't necessarily, there is nothing you can do. The same thing, what's even worse with Zed, because with Zed, with Hydra, the the, the lifesteal applies off the off the, uh, the Hydra procs. And so your sustain is, you can't out-sustain. You have no mana. Your wave clear is unbeatable. You get a shit ton of ability haste. So your, the, the W cooldown is incredibly low anyway. You don't lose prior to anyone. You don't lose any 1v1. And you can't be outshoved in the side lane. So all the champions that counter Zed, so there's two ways of countering Zed. You either play an early lane bully that tries to annihilate and set the Zed really far behind, like a Victor or a Nico. The tricky thing about that is that Zed is very easy to minimize on because you have non-committal poke ability, farm abilities with your Q and your W. You also have no mana. And you could also be, always build D-Shield and secondary resolve because mm. you don't need mana flow or anything. So you can easily minimize hard matchups. Then the second thing is that... The, the champions that bully early don't have high wave clear. So typically what happens is that as soon as Zed gets Hydra, they out wave clear, out shove, out sustain, and can never be beaten in the side lane and get infinite prio. Then the other way of beating Zed is that you have hard CC or and then the, and you trying to threaten with hard CC. Well, the champions that have a lot of hard CC that traditionally have made Zed's life miserable are champs like Annie, right? Because then you would sit there with a stun in a team fight. Well, the problem now is that champs like any, they have terrible wave clear. Mm. Or Lissandra, they have pretty sub... Or if, even if they can play wave clear, they go oom very quickly and they get shit on in the 1v1, mm. right? So all every counter to Zed is not a counter anymore. There's only two Zed, Zed champ, two champions that can actually do somewhat okay into Zed. And that's Akshan, if played well, and Trindamir with Hydra. Yeah. So it sounds like you're really focusing on the lane phase here, though, right? And no, mid game's mid -game, worse. Mid game's I, the I, worst I, part. I have I have these these games in my head. You said that no one can match Zed in the side lane. What about a Scion or something like that, dude? You can't use a bruiser for it. So then you're putting your top lane. So when then what's gonna happen on the other side of the map? You're just assuming your top lane is gonna be able to beat the other mid laner. Like you can't use a, an example of like a bruiser to deal with a split pushing mid laner. I mean you can just swap, right? Like yeah, but then in solo queue, that's so complicated. Yeah, sure, we can put the Fiora into the side lane versus the Zed, but then who? Why? Why does the Zed have to match the Fiora? How is Zed nine nine going in solo queue? On Zed, on Zed, dom Zed. dominating. Where is like, he dom I, mean, I don't know what he is right right now, but he literally he had a quote. Someone actually asked this question. Someone in my Discord because mm. he speaks English, he has the subtitles. People translate what he said. He said that he literally said basically nothing beats Zed. Um, the only thing that beats Zed is basically, yeah, OP flavor of the month champs like Shiv LeBlanc and stuff. He literally said that okay. on his stream. It's interesting because again, I have not experienced this. This is new so, information. So yeah, and so what I'm saying is that this is a high, this is a high ranked problem. Yeah. If you're a competent Zed who understands how to play the setup, okay. My point being, long story short, I'm using this as an example. I sent my critiques about this specific thing, and and the the you know, I'm I'm going to paraphrase. Essentially, response I got was something along the lines of like. 
you know, and we covered this actually in our in our episode with Frox. I remember with Frox, we said they like an unbalanced game. Yeah, they like it that there are certain champions that cause problems in the game because that's what makes League fun. We don't want a balanced game. The response I got was something along the lines of that, where we do like having these villain champions in the game that mm. people hate versing mm. because it adds excitement into the game. And that just really didn't sit well with me. Really? And, and yeah. because like, I, I, I get it. Yeah. Logically, I get it. Yeah. But then I'm like, okay, if we follow this reasoning, I'm not playing a balanced game. Right? We're not playing. That's the reality. We are, the reality is that League is not a balanced game. Yeah. That's not the way it's designed to be. Yeah. There are always going to be things that are stronger and there are things that are going to be weaker. And so when we're playing in the highest levels of play, when everyone is very, very good at the game, you're by not playing what's the strongest, you're literally throwing away a massive advantage, a mm. huge advantage, mm. in fact. Now, this has led me to my point. I've got what I believe to be a model of what the most effective way to get Challenger is. I've got to think now. This is my, this is my theory, okay? You need to have, when you get to Master Tier, you need to, you, you, let's say you get to Master Tier with a champ or three or four champs, three champs, let's say. You're very good at these three champions. Okay, you're going to have a crack with these three or four champions. You're going to climb as far as you possibly can. Then what's going to happen is that maybe what you realize one of your champs is just dog shit in solo queue. Mm. One of them is just, it just doesn't work well in high yellow solo queue. It doesn't work in a specific meta. So then what you're going to do is you're going to swap maybe one of them out. So let's say you, you play Diana. It just doesn't work anymore. It's shit, whatever. You don't, and to, to, to go to the next level with Diana, you would literally have to be an OTP or something. So I'm like, okay. Let's remove Diana. We add something in that is a little bit better in solo queue, whatever. So boom, you've added one more in. You play that for a little bit more, maybe a month or two, two months, three months, whatever. And then you realize, oh, you know what? I'm actually, maybe this one isn't also that good in the meta at the moment. Like the meta's changed a lot. Maybe I'm versing a lot of Jace, a lot of Zier and shit. I have no use of this champion in my pool. I literally have no angles to pick it in, in my pool anymore. I'm going to move that. So you pick out it, you're in another one. And so what happens months after months after months, you rotate, you rotate, you rotate. Months and months and months, you've now, you're slowly chipping away and building out your understanding of mid lane through many, many, many lenses. Yep. So then what happens, you might still be in master, but you're a very different master player because now you're master player with not just these four champs, now with six champs or seven champs. And or if eight one of champs. those comes back into the meta, you'll pick it up and then climb That's really correct. Quickly. And then yeah. every single year you do this, it becomes easier to champ or cycle to the point where when the meta shifts, you you can very easily integrate things back into. Well, I, I've got a list of champs in my back pocket mm, you can easily that I can easily whip in. Yeah. Like I can slip my, slap my dick on the keyboard and play <laughs> Vex, right? Yeah. Or Galio or whatever. <laughs> But I, I couldn't do it with some champs. But yeah. then, so there's a difference between picking a champ, putting back a champ into your pool that is, that you've played before versus one that's new. So mm. for me, Tali was brand new. I hadn't really ever played Talia properly. So I've had to actually take my time. My point being is that every time you, you go, you get uncomfortable, you learn a champ that's very new, you level up a lot, not necessarily in rank, but you get, you get smarter about the game. You understand the game more holistically. You do this again with sustained effort, with intensity for, ye for months and uh, years. That is how you get Challenger the most reliable way. Because then no matter what meta, no matter what happens, you have this reliable, diverse, not only a great champion or the ability to create and have a diverse, suitable champion for many different drafts. You also have the game understanding through many different lenses. That is, in my opinion now, what I believe to be the best way to get Challenger. Okay, but that is from starting at what rank? Like master, let's say you've one trick to master or played two champs to master. Like yeah. whatever, like if you just get to master, like... 
Okay. Because so, so this is different. That that's the the opt what I believe to be the optimal journey. There are going to be other journeys where you 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 pick. You're like a cat OTP. You play cat Talon, mm. and then you get to like one KLP as an mm. O Talon OTP, and then you diverse. That's but I would say that's a much harder journey, and you got to be like obsessed with that champion. I would say they're outliers. Like that's more so the outlier in my opinion, in my experience anyway. Most people climb like the, the maybe those talented players. They they have a handful of like two or three champs they're really good at. And then they sustain Challenger by diversifying and making themselves a broadened player. Um, that, and as, as that's what I think the new age of Challenger players is going to be in the future. Yep. And again, you're for, I feel like nowadays you're more forced than ever to have a champ pool that can adapt to either tackle the meta or be the meta. That's just it. And that's what, that's what I think in Master Plus. That's, that's, my, that's my belief. And that's again going back to that. We have to accept the fact that League's an unbalanced game. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is it. Because I had a pr this notion for some reason that League was a balanced game and that it yeah. was all fair and we're all in this like utopia. <laughs> it's not. No, even if you play really good League of Legends, you You're are at a lose. disadvantage. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, let me refer. Yeah, you put it a better way. You're at a you're at a significant disadvantage. Like, well, why would I? Why? In, and 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 then the question becomes, you know, because we're at the highest level of play. Yeah. I, it's really interesting. Again. Uh, you know, now thinking about, you know, people like Aguran who just broke everything, though. There is the outliers, mm. right? Like, he, he climbed to rank one in Korean solo queue with his stream with Nocturne, Jarvan. No one was playing these champions. People thought it would be impossible. What was it? Nocturne, Jarvan, and Elise. But I don't really think that's out of the ballpark. I don't really understand what's so... Like, I get it. Maybe they weren't meta, but Elise and Jarvan are great. Always relatively solid solo queue champions no well solid but not rank one solid right yeah i agree you know but you can't use an outlier to justify <laughs> no, you can't, that's no. right that's what i no, mean but you know people say like you know get into the conversation of what and is he's an ex he's an exceptional player yes. that's what i'm saying there are exceptional players that's what makes like you watch the pz zang like yeah. he's like consistently high challenger with yasuo yeah it's like fuck that guy's just like yeah. that guy's just insane you know that guy's well, that guy's a freak you know there's like these freaks that just like you just like or a Rel king who are consistently high challenger with aurelia like yeah. no matter what it's yeah. like there were these like freaks of nature that are just so above and beyond. Well, I mean, not exactly. I mean, they are, but they are have put insane amount of hours. That's the one trick, right? You know, that's territory. what I'm saying. Yeah, so it is still possible. Yes, they're just very, yeah, very, 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 yeah. very good. Yeah, you can't make. But anyway, you know, and that's where it all stemmed from. It's like this conversation left me feeling like. That's a good. It's an interesting point. It's it it, it shifts my perspective mm. a lot. You know, it shifted mm. my perspective, and that because that's exactly what I've been feeling. Like there have been so many moments in my games, right, mm. where like I'm in champ select, and I just pick a champ that's in my pool. It's not. I'm not randomly picking it. I've I purposely added this champion into my pool, and having a well-rounded pool that allows me to adapt to many different drafts. It's been competent at. A handful of champs that makes sense mm. just makes your climb in, in the high elo bracket so much more effective. It does. You just get wins. Yeah, it is important to, to emphasize this in the high elo brackets. Yes. But I don't know. Like there is definitely an element to it in lower elo brackets for sure as well. Of course, it does. You know, it but, does work. But the reason it doesn't, the same thing doesn't is not relevant for below master is that people are playing so suboptimally it so doesn't sub matter and also as well just it doesn't like matter one trick in it is the most time effective as That's well right. you know so um yeah, yes. that's the other thing you've got to consider well, because the mastery master gap you're right. very hardcore in the game if you're like a master again 
view it like this with one tricking in below master, right? Or like having a small champ pool, the champ mastery diff alone yeah. will help you so much. Even if you're not as good at the game holistically, if you're better with knowing your limits, because everyone is making so many mistakes, if you have that competence individually on your champion, it, it just makes such a massive difference. But in master plus, everyone is usually pretty goddamn good at the game. So mm. that, that champ mastery diff isn't as common. Yes, and there are there are levels to that, but you know, um, but I don't know if this applies to jungle as much. I, again, I'm speaking through a mid lane yeah, perspective here because mid lane counter pick and just mid lane champions like you just have these games that are just unplayable. Like where it's like, why am I playing Oriana into like a LeBlanc Jarvan or some shit? Like, what's the point? Mm. Like, what am I doing here? <laughs> like, what am I doing? What is my purpose? What is my purpose? Yeah. Like, why am I playing the game on ultra hard mode already? We're in an incredibly in- competitive yeah. environment. That's it, my point. Cupcake was really big on that for supporters. Yeah. Well. yeah, and I get it now. I understand yeah. that. Like, I actually do understand that. And I think the reason I didn't understand it is in the past, I think I was better than so many players that... Because now as the player base, I genuinely feel like the, every year, every, every six months, the player base is getting better. Mm. The player base is getting better and it's getting better. And you're forced to adapt. Yeah. Jungle definitely might just be the, the unique role. Because jungle, you don't... You can get counterpicked in jungle, have a bad jungle game, but like you can just do shit. You can still do stuff. You can, still do you can avoid the enemy jungle. You can avoid the enemy jungle, yeah. but in mid, you cannot avoid it. Mm. You're in it. You're there. You're stuck. Mm. You know? What do you do? Mm. Like sometimes you can play as... It's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to play perfectly and then, all right, I just don't die and I slowly lose the game. It's like, all right, that's just it. Yeah. So... This came, and this may come as a shock to some people. Because um, that's been different to what you've been preaching for the last three years. <laughs> well, not necessarily. I mean, again, this is Master Plus. I, yeah. I still don't... Any, everything that I just said is does not apply to Below Master. Okay. So it kind of does. But we also... But, you know, champ mastery is still very important for Master Plus. But you gotta have you got to play the meta and have mastery on the champs that are somewhat good in the meta. Mm. That's the goal. Mm. That's the goal. Or can beat the meta, one or the other. You can't disrespect the meta. That's my main point. You've got to be aware of the meta, understand how the meta works in as a mid laner, and you either have answers to it or you don't. That's it. I like it. That's a good revelation, Curtis. Mm. The Broken by Concept podcast is evolving. Yeah, and I could change it again later. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> back, like, nah, there's one tree now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, do we want to move on to another one of your topics, Curtis? Yeah, okay. Okay, so um, I, as well as actually Necklace sent me this and um, I want to bring up his DM, but essentially it's a lot sexier to be your rank because of stage four problems than just accepting your level of play. Like, I'm going to bring up the direct quote here from uh, from Necklace. I think he put it. He, he said it very well in a, in a much more articulate way than me. So some examples of stage four problems that people don't know. Go watch our BBC Pyramid. That understands when we talk about stage four, three, two, one. Stage four problems examples could be stuff like sleep. You've got real life problems that you need to attend to before playing League of Legends. Tilt, mindset about the game. That sort of stuff. Yeah, he said, I feel like it's so sexy to have external problems. Everyone wants their problems to be a mental one and not that their level Ah, of play is simply not high enough. I see where this is going. 
like, and, and we'll, he was referring to what a review I did. He's like, he kept saying things like, is Anivia viable at this rank or that or what setup, blah, blah, blah. But, and, but the reality is like the Velkos is just walking into you in melee range, using <laughs> yeah, the Q the on reality. your face and you're getting chunked to 20 HP. <laughs> and like what, what we've been noticing yeah. in our program, in the program is that like, it is sexy because it's, it's, de it's, it's deflecting the, the responsibility to something that's external away from just your raw level of play. Yeah. This is where, again, it's like a gray area. Like it could be the result of why you're doing some dumb be. stuff, but it is sexy to say, oh, I just don't have enough sleep. Oh, I don't have intensity this block. That's like, right. That is sexy. It's sexy. Because it's like, it's got nothing to do. Like, this is not actually my game. It's plan. not actually, it's, yeah. it's like an ego protection. You can, you can switch it. You can, you can use it as, it. A, as, a, as a weapon. Yeah, you use it as a weapon. That's right. It's like, it's like giving the tools. You can, it's like a tool, right? Understanding yeah. the stage four, how stage four problems affect you mm. can always be misinterpreted and can always be used in a very non-productive way it can be weaponized yeah, that's a rare way of putting it and so what i've noticed is that yeah it's it, it for some reason that is the the it's like okay i'm not doing well on solo queue i'm losing these games oh uh, it, it, it the, the first thing is stage four rather that's than right. this is just the gameplay this yeah. is just my level of play mm. let's just look at let's just look at the details here let, let's look at what's going on here yeah I just found that fascinating. So, you Love know, for that. those of you out there that are, you know, potentially, yes, I'm not denying that stage four problems are real and they most definitely are and you need to be aware of them, but it is just one thing, right? And it should not be the first, like, you know, it can be very sexy and convenient to always pin it on that. Um, so keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Mm. A follow-on from this very quickly. Um, it's sexy, while we're on this sexy topic, it's, it's sexy to... Um, it's sexy to focus on the tactics and not the strategy. Okay. This is my new thing. Okay. What's that example? Okay. An example, <clears throat> right? We're in lane phase and uh, we love, you know, we talk about getting into the details, right? We love getting into the details yeah. and getting into the details is important, right? An example might be, oh yeah, I, I should have, I should have tethered that ability a little bit better. I should have actually, I could have held my ability there and then used my ability like that. I could have held the wave here. I could have actually reset there and done this. These are all very important details. These are tactics. These are tactical, this is a tactical discussion. Tactics without strategy is just idiotic. If we don't know what the tactics are trying to achieve at a big, at a high level, then we're not. We're never going to have consistency. Yeah, so a great example that I'm thinking there is like we can trade on this wave, or we can look for a solo kill. But the big picture is is that my jungler's in base, or he's diving bot, and even it's bigger. not necessary to do that. that that's a that's a great yeah. example. I would say for mid lane, it's like even like this. It's more. It's what am I trying to achieve in this lane? Okay. Like when I go, this is straight up what I when I come into a lane, right? Mm. I'm loading in. I see the mid jungle two v two. I know, like pretty, like, no, not like to the T, but I know r relatively clearly, what does winning mean for me in this image on 2v2? Does winning mean that I I dominate and go up 20 CS and try and solo kill? Does winning mean that I just go even? Does winning mean I go down 5 CS? Is my objective in this mid jungle 2v2 to minimize and get to X item and then I can take over the lane later? Or is my goal, I have to abuse the levels one to six because later on, if I don't, I'm going to be in trouble. What am I trying to achieve at a high level in this mid-jungle 2v2? It always starts there. Before you talk about waves, before you think about trades, 
before you fucking buy your items, before you even, honestly, it, it all ties together, but it all starts with what am I trying to do? Okay? Now, it doesn't need to be crystal clear, but you need to have at least a rough idea of what you're trying to do. Because if you don't, when you're trying to review, it's just, it's, it's, it's just, um, like mental diarrhea. Yeah. It's just useless. You lose your mind. You lose your mind because you don't know what you're trying to achieve. I, and, and I had this with a master Diana OTB mm. Matt. Mm. We got into a review and we're getting into the details and I'm like, dude. We got to stop. I said, what are you trying to do here? Like, yeah. what do you want to do? Yeah. Like, do, do you want to like try and, are you trying to get a solid good early? Is that because that's the way your matchup goes? Are you like, what the fuck are you trying to do, dude? And like, you can't answer that question. He's like, I've been getting into the details so much that I don't even know what I'm trying to achieve anymore. I'm so granular that I've lost sight of like what game I'm playing. And so again, the tactics are sexier yep. than the strategy. It's interesting though, again, how different jungle is because jungles get relatively easier to review because, right. you know, the execution is really obvious like it's like okay right. I, it's either this is a bad player or a good play going for like, i gotta play this play correctly if i don't oh well, that's really bad and also you, you just ask the question is was my time and my resource of time worth spending this this area of the map was this actually my wing right. finisher big picture but you've still got to adapt i find it's actually the opposite people in jungle are too always too mm. on the extreme of like oh this is my wing like i, I gotta They're play this lane or they're gonna you know this guy's got priority here and stuff versus just just yeah okay have that in the back of your mind just free flow just clear your camps and then adapt if they're heavy traded and mm. if not just don't clear your camps i think it's like really the opposite of the jungle a bit more. the more and more we talk nathan i just think we're playing like your role yeah, and our, role. Two different games, our roles are yeah. so different they're very our different. experiences are just yeah. so different they the are. way we've, we we play the same game but through such a differing lens very different it's crazy mm. Every time we have a discussion, I'm like, fuck, man, what game are you playing, you know? Yeah. Well, I, when I play with a mid laner, I understand what they want. Right. But my specific decisions are just out of the realm of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And there's the way, yeah, the way it's like we we, we, re, we kind of like end up in the same destination in mid game. But the way we get there is so, so different. Yeah. So, so different. Because, dude, I gotta, you got to do your lane phase, but the enemy jungler might be pressuring bot. i got to counter a dive there. i gotta, I got so much shit right. to do here, dude. i got stuff to do. <laughs> That's got nothing to do yeah, with my mid laner. Yeah. But the other games, I just play through mid, and then we're on the same, we got to be on the same yeah, page. Yeah, yeah. And then, so, my, yeah, so that's my point anyway. So it's just another observation I've made. But then again, I do get players that just refuse to get into the details, right? It's like, well, here, you stood outside the wave and you get hit by a yeah. Kali E and now you're half HP. Now it's end of review or whatever. The, you know, it's like, they're not getting into the details, but you know, but that's an, a, a very common trend that I have noticed recently. All right, back to your topics. Uh, back to you. It's again, it's just interesting how much league is just a little gray area, isn't it? I think that's, that is again, one of the things we need to continually push on this podcast is that, we need to get away and reprogram our brains to not want the convenient, sexy, one-sentence formula. Mm -hmm. The closest thing we have to that is three blocks. Like three blocks is just these two fucking words yeah. Yeah. that just, or it's a number and a word, right? Yeah. That just, it means so much and it does so much for you. It's like a 50%er, like right? The rest of your journey is un—it's it's unsexy, it's messy, it's dirty, it's confusing, it's contradictory. It's just hard, but that's life. That is actually life. Mm. Relationships, relationship, your everything. Job. 
like I was just listening to a podcast discussing the topic of of uh, you know arrogance and, and ego and and being humble, arrogance and being humble. We can't be overly humble and have no ego and not be arrogant because then we wouldn't have the confidence to even take on anything worth challenge worth, worth fighting for. We wouldn't be able to face up to challenges, but we can't be arrogant and you know not humble because then we're just going to be blindsided by things and blind to possibilities of new learning and um you know all the other problems that come with being uh, arrogant but that's in league you got to be every game is the most important and the least important you got to be intense but not too intense mm-hmm. can't be too attached to your rank you got to have an idea of what too you want to do but re- willing to adapt you can't you got to enjoy that rank and and love the rank but you can't be too attached to the rank you got to be emotionally invested into the game but not too emotionally invested these are just constant trends constant ideas never ends that is the game it's just the, the league of legends the the gray area game if it was that easy again no one would play the game and uh it's not like a rubik's cube you know where like people have right. solved it you know what i mean like you don't yeah. have to worry about all the emotional investment sort of yeah. stuff right like you know league's so complicated that's why we love the game so much that's right all right curtis i've got a fun clip here from this is from the recent LCS Championship Finals. I don't actually know where this was. Somewhere in America, America. Um, and this was a uh, ownership chat with the owners of the LCS teams. So we don't really talk much about esports here, but I thought this was really interesting. This clip from uh, the CEO of Team Liquid, which mm-hmm. is one of the prestigious organizations in North America. Let's take a look at this clip here, Curtis, and let's talk about this. I'll just add one comment, which is, you know, we're always looking at what games are currently being played by the younger generation. It was an interesting statistic. I was actually sitting down with the COO of Play Versus a couple weeks ago, and I was asking him, what is the highest played uh, uh, game in your esports club across all the high schools in North America? Guess what number one was? What do you reckon, Curtis? The number one esports. The number one uh, game played in esports clubs across America. League of Legends, surely. Or is it Valorant? So League of Legends or Valorant, right? Let's hear the answer, Curtis. No, Mario Kart. (laughs) Which is kind of interesting. Um, But it's the most competitive title with the most traction. So, you know, it just goes to show that, you know. How interesting is that response? Wow. I think so what does that mean? So does that mean cl- university clubs, is it? Uh, college clubs. College cl- yeah. clubs, the most Again, these aren't just gaming. These are titled eSports right. college clubs, according to Steve here. Right. How interesting is that? What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? It, it, so a couple of things. These are a couple of thoughts. Is League of Legends so niche and such an intimidating game because there's so much, so much that goes into it? Uh, that you need to learn that it would never get mass like like let's let's say let's say if you were to ask in the sports club right what is what is the biggest what is the most popular sport in your high school or whatever it is you know let's say in australia let's say it's you know our australian Footy. football right let's say in america let, let's say in somewhere in group it's just soccer let's keep it yep. simple soccer right soccer is like you know one of the biggest sports in the world right like where where does and that's the mario kart apparently right now where would is league like badminton like tennis you know tennis like right you know what i'm saying okay i see what you see mean you know what I'm right. saying? Like, where, where are we if we were to use this traditional sport analogy you know 
what is league with if, if soccer is number one like the world sport yeah which is mario kart in which case. is mario kart yeah. what is where what is, is league place? where is league right you know and it's just we're not even close like no one said counter-strike or valorant like mm. Guys, like, think about where Mario Kart is compared to esports games like Counter Strike, Valorant, League of Legends. Mm. We're not even in the same ballpark. Like, it's like, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, I wouldn't even call them. It's not really a sport. Like again, he talks it like as a competitive game. People like competing on Mario Kart, but it's. I think it's really interesting how far away we might be where we think and and because because we love League of Legends. We think it's such an amazing tool. Like we would think that league is like the soccer of it is it has been the biggest esport for 10 years mm. but in terms of like mainstream mainstream it's not even close yeah look i'll be honest i think league is fighting two battles on two fronts okay yep. i think league is fighting the, the the first battle is the rising complexity of the game right actually i'm going to say three battles there's three battles right right we're fighting yeah. league's fighting three battles yeah. The first one is the rising um, complexity of the game. As more champions are added, the player base is getting more mature. It becomes more and more intimidating to learn the game. And the only way you can really learn the game is having someone kind of babysit you through it because it's an incredibly painful experience at the start if you don't have anyone to show you the ropes, right? So I would say that's kind of one thing, like a it. challenge, I guess, League is facing and yeah. hence why they actually announced that they want to redo bots and, and the AI and stuff like that, right? So that's one thing. The second challenge we're facing is the preconceived notions of League being a toxic game and the and I would say the disrespect of League as a game from its own player base. Yes. Fueling narratives about how bad it is and how toxic it is. And we see tweets over and over again from people who are in the esports industry and game, you know, that like like high up positions talking about their negative experiences with the game. So they don't respect their own craft that they've spent tens of thousands putting it in. So if they don't respect it, why would a new right. player so there's that. Come and respect it. There's that aspect of it. So it's it's a it's a fundamentally misunderstood game, even from its own player base. And then I think the biggest challenge that League is facing is actually not from within the gaming industry at all. Mm. It's actually from the outside world, which is that video games in general are just a waste of time. And they're a negative part of people's lives. People put video games in the same sentence as porn and alcohol alcohol and drugs mm. like that's unironically the way video games is most commonly that's what it's most commonly associated with in 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 real world in the real world right? if, it's, if it's not at those points it's very close it's close remember we talked about i think it was one of the episodes uh, a couple of weeks ago where we talked about league's not even at neutral yet we have to just get neutral it's like oh that's like a cool thing we're so negative we're in the, <laughs> we're in the we're in a huge hole right we're not even up the positive of like no. a sport of like soccer or all that sort of stuff yeah yeah i agree so I think that's kind of like, they're like the multiple battles we're fighting. But the third one I think is the most important. Like, look, th there's always going to be negative people in the play base that are going to just talk shit about the game. And I think as the game becomes more understood, look, it's always going to be there, but I think that it will get, it will probably lower over time. I'm assuming, um, who knows though. The first one about in terms of um, the rising complexity of the game, I think that can be overcome with better quality educational content better onboarding with from from newbies and stuff like that i think that can be fixed yep. the big one because the thing about the the new people people saying the game's getting harder mm. and harder to learn how is it possible that 
fourteen year old Jimmy can suddenly be an esports player. Like they like they're like up the next up right. and come in. How is it possible that, you know, some sixteen, seventeen year old can be better than a twenty five year old? Like the fact that that exists in the esports yeah, world it is weird. It, it means that there is, you know, there's things you can learn the game relatively quickly. Yes, I would agree. But obviously th- talent's an aspect of that as well. But the third one in terms of, you know, getting fixing the the stigma around video games it's it's hard mm. because it's something that is so abused by so many people and 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 League of Legends is lumped in with all of these other games that it's like I don't even know how to approach doing that that's the the problem is it's lumped in it's lumped that's in right. and how yeah. do you separate it you know like we need like I'm thinking of another industry let's say the food industry like Michelin star restaurants or high quality, high rated restaurants are clearly Separate. separated from fast food. And just like a normal restaurant. Or a normal restaurant. Like th- there is there is something very tangible. Like we can look at a rating, like there's a rating site. It's like, this is a X rated restaurant. There's this one is a low rated and that's fast food. Like we can clearly, we have mechanisms or, you know, apps or whatever it might be to clearly differentiate between what's like a positive thing and what's a negative thing, you know? Like there is no kind of like rating system of video games and what the positives and negatives you're going to experience. They're all just video games, right? And I think we don't even have the... You'll get the same experience no matter what game you play is the perception. That's correct. Yes. It's all a waste of time. It's an escape from reality. It's a dissociate from society. It's a, you know anonymity and toxicity and blah 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 it's all the same shit. or just like nerd community just nerd community losers and <laughs> basement dwellers and all that stuff right um and and, and i think we, we reached a similar point to before which was essentially i i mean i think it has to come from very big the biggest people in this the, the, like the the tyler ones the the real role models that actually have broader influence in society at large like maybe across all other games who can represent gaming overall mm. who kind of lead by example and actually show how it can be used in a positive way but but we're, we're so incredibly far from that i mean we've just demonstrated we're so far. we're not even on the, the same in the same universe and you know like you know i might be the, the optimist here but i want that answer to be league of legends i think it should be league of legends if it's an especially if it's an esports club i want to try and see if we can get there you know, that, again, that may take 10, 20 years, but I think League is just such an amazing game. Again, you're probably like, Nathan, I'm not going to listen, you're completely biased, but guys, it's awesome, dude. I I, I think it's way better than Counter-Strike and Valorant. Fuck those games, right? Like, <laughs> League's the best. Right, I mean, yeah, and I think we got to do a better job at, um, we're going to try and do a better job of getting that point across. But yeah. Well, our first job, Curtis, is to get people to understand the players, even the pro players and the challenger players, they need to understand the game. They don't understand the game. That's they don't right. know how to talk about the game. They don't understand their skills that they've learned. <clears throat> yes, that's right. When you when you look at many of these other industries, it's they're not confused as to why they're the best. You go into a Michelin style restaurant, you know, they know exactly why mm. they are that level. Mm. They know they know exactly the difference between something that's shit, something that's average, something that's great. They can clearly articulate the skills they've had to develop, what you would have to do to get that good, the culture's there, every, everything's all, it's like very clear. But the problem is that there is a complete lack of clarity in our version of what a Michelin star player is, right? 
in rank wise. Um, and that's just going to take time. And it's getting there. It is actually getting there because the players like Agurin exist. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's, Agurin is, I think Agurin has done so much for the community showing, you know, the, the real League of Legends, yeah. what it actually is what all really about is, and articulating yeah. it. I think Onzed mm. does an exceptional job. He is, I actually think like that is, you know, he, I believe Onzed has some of the best educational content on YouTube for a mid laner, even if you don't wow. play Zed. Yeah. Just like that is the new age. Like there are the, there are these gems in the, in the rough that show what league really is. And, and, um, and they are coming up there. Yeah. With well, the grand scheme of things, again, they're so small. Yeah, right? They're, t- they're very, very minuscule, but we're getting there, I getting guess. Getting there slowly. I mean, they wouldn't have existed mm. a while ago. The fact mm. that they even exist now is great. Is great. Love it. So we'll do, move on to Summer School. I'm not going to do a courtesy clip this week. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, Curtis, the order of the podcast is Summer School first anyway. Oh, okay. So, come on, Curtis. How long have you been doing this podcast for again? Bloody hell. I'm, a, I'm an amateur. All right. Now, <laughs> this is amateur. a Summer School post that was posted three days ago by someone called Set G. And this one had 160 upvotes. Uh, this is a bit of a long one, so bear with me, everyone. My 13-year journey to Challenger, how to improve. Preface, this post has almost zero in-game tips. It is about the process of improvement. I started playing League of Legends when I was nine years old in season one. I ended too low elo for bronze that season. It took me five years of playing to hit platinum. After I finally made it to Diamond, I stayed there for four years in a row. I tried out for my university's league team and was cut three years in a row. I've been chat restricted, lost rank awards, and even banned. I've de- been demoted more times than I can count. I've single-handedly lost hundreds of won games. I have been entered and griefed. I've had AFKs. I've had lost streaks, and that lasted more than 20 games in a row. Today, after 13 years of playing, I hit Challenger. If you want to climb, here's my advice. There's only really only two things you can control when it comes to improvement. Those are accountability and intensity. League provides you a truly massive number of opportunities to place blame on anything besides yourself. If you want to become good at the game, you must reject these opportunities and insist on taking the blame for everything you can control. If you die 1v1, yeah, that champ is probably overtuned. He probably counterpicked you. Your jungle probably could have killed him, etc. Although these things may very well be true, they're completely worthless from the lens of improvement. Instead of being the victim, ask yourself, could I have avoided that fight? Could I have had bone plating up for this all in? Did I take a bad trade earlier than I could have avoided? Did I not consider his item spikes? Am I down resources? I shouldn't be at this point. Notice all those questions you just asked, Curtis. We Very talked high about high-quality questions. High questions. This, is, this is great. Even things many people would ad- adamantly. adamantly argue are out of their control are subject to your influence. Perhaps you are farming top, scaling up as a Kale level 3 nice and safely, and all of a sudden your bot dies in a 3v3. Many people would take this as a great opportunity to pass blame. Don't do the same. If you were properly... If you were playing properly, you would have tracked their jungler from level one. You would have pings that he was likely in the bush ready to counter gank. Maybe you even missed a chance to invade level one because you were taking a piss in load screen and you weren't at your PC (laughs) when the gates went down. 
these things might not make a difference that game. Maybe you track and ping and you are ignored and the result is the same. But maybe one in 10 games, your call is followed. How can you possibly blame your teammates for making errors when you yourself could have done something to mitigate a bad situation but didn't? You might think, that's just silly. These mistakes are clearly not what held me back from the higher rank. If it was just this one scenario that this applied to, you would be correct. But I promise you, there are hundreds of these situations in every single game you play, and that extra small chance of success over hundreds of plays adds up very quickly. The more accountability you can take over your games, the faster you improve. Be accountable and champ select at level one holding position on the map. When you ping a play less intently than you should have, when your jungler gets barren stolen, when you didn't zone like you could have, when your ADC AFK is after you flame him, make a call and take the golden opportunity to be wrong. To lose your team the game single-handedly, at least you controlled the game and you see where it went wrong. Be accountable. The other aspect of improvement you can control is intensity. If you want to climb, you need to maximize your ability to focus on the game. As the good old Broken My Concept folks rant day after day, <laughs> playing in set blocks of two to four games is extremely helpful in, in avoiding loss of focus. You might be able to get away with playing more in the short term, perhaps for a tournament or the last day of the season, but it is a completely unsustainable way to play for any length of time. Every time you flame, someone starts thinking about your rank or get distracted by someone in real life, you lose intensity points. Limit outside distractions when you play. Turn your phone off. Don't play with music. Don't talk to a friend while you play. Make sure you aren't tired or hungry before you play. Get time-sensitive tasks out of your way ahead of playing. If you want to increase your total number of intensity points, do those boring things everyone tells you to do all the time. Sleep well, exercise eat well, and have fulfilling relationships. League drove me to improve all these facets of life in a very powerful way, and they, in turn, improved my play, play with intensity. League is not about big plays, abusing the meta, or discovering some secret new tech. League is about slowly improving day after day, year after year. It's the summation summation of thousands upon thousands of small questions answered, small mechanics mastered, and small concepts understood. League is a playground to explore the process of improvement in life. If you are actually trying to improve, then how you approach League is precisely how you approach life. If you approach League as the victim of Inter's rights balance team or bad luck, then you are likely to see yourself as a victim of a cruel boss, poor genetics, or being born poor. All of these things could be true, but they're also irrelevant. They're simply obstacles you have to overcome if you want to succeed. Just a challenger player could hop onto your account and climb despite your MMR and grievous in your games. Perhaps if you were the best person you could be, you could climb to the success in your life too, whatever that means for you. If you approach league and life with accountability and responsibility for the things you want to change, refusing to allow external factors to dictate your position and passionately pursuing positive change day after day, Despite the inevitable countless setbacks, you are you can accomplish your goals in and out of the game. Isn't that such a good flow on Curtis? What we just mm. talked about in terms of players like this able to articulate mm. their journey, articulate the difficulties, articulate the realities. What a great sum up, Curtis, of the podcast for today's episode so far. Yeah, and that's it. He's he's absolutely nailed it. it but it's that whole mindset of. Assume that you were in the wrong and then prove yourself right rather than assume you were right and prove yourself wrong. You know, that's really it. And mm. and, um, and 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 one thing that he said I really love, it's like how, you know, you can... People have that argument where it's like, well, even if I ping that or even if I did that, this game I still would have lost. But in another game, maybe that one thing would have led to a win. And there were going to be many, many other opportunities in other games 
But you do that, you accumulate these skills of all these games that were all losses that will make the difference in future games. Absolutely. It's, it's, like, it's like banking up points that you can then allocate later on to other games that will win you, you know? That, that's kind of absolutely like spot on. Yeah. I love that. Um, and that's exactly how we go about our own process. It's like taking max responsibility and it's fucking hard. It is, it is well and truly, it's just a mindset. It is a mindset because once it clicks, like once you get that, you're unstoppable. Mm. You're actually unstoppable once you get that. The hardest bit is getting to that mindset. <laughs> you need to get that mindset and then apply that mindset for a long period of time. Yes, that's right. How many league players, people watching this podcast probably know their friends that have played for 10 years and they're still sucking silver. The difference is, is that this guy here has asked high quality questions, directed attention, directed focus, busted his balls, lots of failures, lots of setbacks. He said, he just, he literally said he's, he was toxic. He's been banned. He's been through it all. And this is just a great example of pursuing mastery in anything in life. Time. This is everything. Effort, accountability, intensity, asking questions. Point that towards a goal. The world's your oyster, Curtis. Yep. He summarized basically, you know, everything we try to get across here at the podcast. He's, he's absolutely nailed it. It's an amazing post. And, and seeing these sorts of things is so, I think, so important for the community. If people actually take the time to read this and internalize like even one thing from this, mm. but it's a mindset and he's nailed it. He's absolutely nailed it. And congratulations on Challenger. I, um, I'm just shocked that it only got 160 upvotes. That's just not enough for us. I read it like summer school. Nathan, you know? there's no drama here. That's why. <laughs> you know, it's, people it's, love drama. It's just boring. It's, 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 gonna, it's boring. what people have heard all the time. That's right. And they're just like, yay, cool. Take responsibility. Again, some bullshit dude is telling me to take responsibility and yeah. not complain about teammates and LP and MMR. But then Mr. Jimmy goes into his next game and then he's not doing anything. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So yeah, this is great. I think this is a really good wrap up for the the main part of the podcast yep. about talking about, Agreed. Um, you know, the benefits of the game. And he's literally, what did he say? It's helped his relationship. Mm. What was it? It was um, league drove me to improve all these facets of life. Mm. Talking about sleeping well, eating well, exercise, fulfilling, have fulfilling relationships. Imagine saying that to, you know, a parent of like, you know, some, some mm. seven year old, like they'll be like, you can't be talking about League of Legends. You must be talking about like being like a college athlete or something like that. League is a fantastic game, guys. Don't take it for granted. <laughs> Mailbag, Tom yep. us. Away we go. Jingle, jingle, jingle song. Alrighty then, our first question here comes from Carnage. The title of this email is Question for the BBC. What great context we get there, Curtis. My name is Carnage. He plays on the EUS server. Let me just actually, he linked his OPG. Let me quickly look at his rank. He's gold one with a 60% win rate with 120 games. It's funny, I just said win rate there. We don't, we just talked about how we don't care about Your win rate Your favorite stat? I uh, hope you're doing well. Thank you for all your hard work for the community. I'm more of a recent listener of the BBC, but you literally changed the face of my gameplay. I have a couple of questions for you guys, which I've underlined, but I've given a bit of context in case it's needed. Absolutely, context is important. I've been playing this game since May 2022, less than a year and a half ago. 
Growing up, I didn't have much time for video games because I spent time studying and playing sports. But now that I'm in uni abroad, I have surprisingly more time to, to, to dedicate to other hobbies. I enjoy my time on LOL so much that I want to stream such make videos to share my passion and what I've learned with the community, but I feel like my rank isn't good enough. I've started taking rank seriously uh, this year in season 13 and got to silver in split one, which was my goal for the year. It was long and tedious, but before split two, I found you guys, which basically propelled me forwards. In split one, it took me 300 games to get to silver and another 400 games floundering, just trying to get to gold. In split two, I got to gold in two weeks of playing, about 70 games if I'm not wrong. I stopped fucking around, picked my two favorite champions, Lilia and Eve, and started banging out games, taking tilt breaks, slash doing blocks, recording VODs. Uh, as I write this, I'm one win away from gold two, and I'm still regularly hard carrying my games. I mean, given looking at his OPGG, that he's definitely... On well on his way up. I wasn't even planning on getting gold this year, but now Platt is literally so close I can taste it and I want to make it so bad. I can't imagine how proud I'd be a year of ranked under my belt and already platinum. Since I'm turning 21, I feel like I'm already too old to have made the mechanical connections that allow me to really be high elo. A part of me truly believes I've, I'll never make it past Masters just because I started out late. I'm trying to make up for that by watching a lot of VODs, listening to the BBC to nip any bad habits in the bud and form good habits that will keep me a consistent carry throughout my LOL career. According to you, it is truly unrealistic to aim for master given my background, or could I aim higher if I wanted to? So that's his first question. Okay. You want to answer that, Curtis? <clears throat> um... So he's worried about his gaming background. He thinks he started too late. He's a late bloomer. Well, I don't see any reason why, I mean, he, I mean, look, if you are putting a lot of time and effort into the game, there's no reason why you can't get master, Absolutely. no matter what your background is. So, so that's a fact, right? No matter what you get, you, you, if you, if you stay this path with the process you're outlining, you're passionate about the game, you're having fun, you're having a crack, you will get master eventually. Past master, um... I don't, again, I don't really see why you couldn't. Mm. I mean, I, I think that it becomes obviously a massive challenge. But again, I don't really... Okay, the, the thing is, is that I don't... If you can get to master tier, right? Let's say you have the hands. You know, you're, you're, a, you're a normal dude, you know, and you have the hands to get master tier. With effort, I don't see why you couldn't get grandmaster, right? I don't see why you couldn't get grandmaster, I, I don't know if everyone can get challenger. I don't I, I don't think so. Um, but I, I think that if you're really passionate and you put in the time, you could probably get Grandmaster. Past that, it gets a little bit sketchy. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think that, you know, you're probably... It's just something that me and Nathan aren't overly familiar with. We, we don't really work with many high-level players that recently played the game yeah. right so yeah i mean maybe we'll find out eventually and we'll let you know we'll definitely let the community know when we find that out but i don't i can't definitively say i'm just spitballing here i could be completely delusional on it and you could easily get challenged i don't know mm -hmm. i genuinely don't know how to answer that question but I, most definitely master yeah i think pursuing pro would be probably out of the oh, out yeah. of the cards yeah as 21 in platinum and i've been playing for a year and a half definitely 
Uh, yeah, I agree with Curtis. I think there's no reason, and I think you would be a great case study. Like, keep it up. Like, I'm really curious to see yeah. your journey. You said you're a new listener. I mean, you've only recently been applying our principles yeah. uh, concept, so, you know, the sky's the limit. But again, don't think that just because you, like, found the... It's not a secret success, no. you know? It takes... You're still going to have a lot of narratives, a lot of bad habits, and you just got to keep chipping away, you know? As long as you're aware of them, you know? Like, League is not... We're not monks. Curtis and I are not monks. We've, we've talked many times on this podcast before how we fall for, you know, narratives. Curtis talked about his ranked, how delusional Curtis was reviewing his games. Yes. Like as, a week or two ago, yeah. Uh, last week. Last and that's, week, yeah. as Curtis, you'll call you, like, you're a professional reviewer of legal <laughs> yeah, agents, you know? Exactly. <laughs> even You can't even do it for yep. yourself. It's about staying consistent to the best of your ability. He talks about making videos. Mm. Man, go for it. Do dude. it now. Yeah. This would be great. You know what you should be doing? You should document, be documenting Document your this journey. journey. I mean, if you can do... You remember we had that episode about the chess one. You know, if you haven't seen it, Carnage, go back. We did an episode about chess and we, we uh, featured that video of that lady who Got documented her journey yeah. from a beginner to 2000 Elo or whatever yeah. it was. I mean, obviously you may have missed the beginner part, but it's just start now. I think there's no, no harm, you know? Exactly. Gold to master. It's awesome. Sharing your learnings. And the other thing as well is, you know, sharing your passion for the game. Go look at uh, uh, Patrick's TikTok. I don't think he makes TikToks anymore, but Project Varsity. He got lots of traction as a platinum player mm. um, on his TikTok, just sharing his love for the game and his learnings and stuff. Like, absolutely. Don't think you're not you're too low elo to be, um, you know, sharing your views of the game, you know? I mean, even if it's educational content, you know, like they're, that's going to help, you know? It could, like, obviously you're not going to be able to teach challenger players and you're probably not going to be as maybe effective as curtis and i teach in the game but you know you can help out iron players and all that sort of stuff because your journey is relatable um so his next question here is my biggest issue is that when it feels like a game has spiraled out of control whether it's entirely my fault or only partially i often go well whatever i'll just afk farm and hope we ff uh, 15 it feels like a waste of my time and energy to try and win a game where we are outscaled for example it feels like my games are either hard carries because I out-macroed the enemy jungler, one early skirmishes, or hard loss because one thing went wrong and I didn't play perfectly, and then I just went to hide in my jungle until the game was forfeited. I want to know if there's any way you can explain what the mental state should be in games that are hard, but not impossible to win. I think the the most succinct way I said this a few episodes ago was make the enemy sweat. Make them earn their LP. Like that simple idea, that's helped a lot of people in the Midland Academy. Just the simple idea that, all right, if you're going to take my LP, you can have it, but I'm going to make you earn it. Don't roll over and I'm die. not going to just roll over and give you my LP. Let's just, I'm going to go down with the fight. Yeah, one of a saying that I have as well with that is, yeah, make the game as hard as possible for the enemy team to win. Again, the question of you winning the game is out. Mm. But if you have that mindset, more than often than not, you can actually win those games. Yep. You tricked yourself. It's like, how can I make this game just because, so hard? Because as we all know, when we're ahead, it's so easy to get complacent. That's right. I mean, I'm not going to say so. We all do. This is just a d- degree. You know? Even comps at scale. I mean, I've had games that should on paper be 100% free win. <laughs> yeah. We ahead and we scale, but somehow I'm like, what, the, what is going on? Like, what is going on? It's like Pantheon, Elise, and then suddenly there's randomly killing people. Bounties like, and, and they're just again, the next, focus. The it's a lack of focus. And, and they've got Baron, and then suddenly... We just die once and then we lose the game. I had, I had a game recently where I think we got four kills at level one and then like it went to all the right people as well. And mm. it's just like the, the, it should be the cleanest win. And then we just like, again, turns into a shit show. They die, give a bounty and then boom, we're like now behind. 
Just like that. People would give up. Oh my God, the, the enemy Israel started with two kills. No, it doesn't mean shit a lot of the time. Complacency. As a jungler that have experienced this, one thing that I've seen a lot with my coaching clients is also with myself is what you need to, when you're behind as a jungler, junglers make games really hard and you lose really quick if, if you keep sequencing your camps. So if you stop sequencing your camps and then start making the game a little bit more chaotic, because again, you're probably missing lots of windows with wave pushes, your team having ults, and suddenly you're on Gromp and your bot lanes, like, you know, looking to fight. Like, and that's like at the 10, 11 minute mark where like, you know, the game's looking, but you can come back in games from just a couple of one skirmishes. So my advice is don't autopilot thinking that I've just made a play on one side of the map. I have to recall and go the other side of the map. You can go the same side of the map out of base. That concept's actually very foreign to a lot of junglers, especially when your team is behind. Well, that catches laners off all the time. Yes. Like, I'm like bamboo sort of a mom. I'm like, how the hell can they be here? The same side. The same the side. They literally cleared to that side and then they still got, they recalled and they just gave me from that side. Yeah. Like, what the hell? And it's not even just that. Your subconscious, your autopilot yeah. is like, okay, they're going to be there. there. They're yeah. going to be on that side. Break yeah. the patterns. Yeah, so I like You got to break patterns as, as a jungler. I like it. Um, that's how you can impact games. Because otherwise you can roll over and die very quickly as a jungler. I have zero impact. If you just keep going back to, the, if you just keep going, top, clear bot, gank bot, top, clear bot, the game can. <laughs> It's not, it's not good. It cannot be good. That can work in some games when your team's ahead and you feel like you don't need to be bot, but more often than not, that can go really bad. Uh, and then he says, additionally, and this is more of a question for Nathan, when one of my strong early laner is losing to a late strong laner, is it even worth helping my laner? I usually will just help those who are still in the game can dominate the late game, but it fosters very negative sentiments from my losing ally. Uh you know what? I'm not going to answer that question unless I have context of the game. I get that question all the time. I need specifics. No, there's no advice that I'll give you that will actually help you. I can give you like a general advice that actually might help you a little bit. It's not actually going to be practical for your games. It's just not possible. So uh, if you want to join Soul 2, join up, Mr. Carnage. That is my coaching program. All right, moving on here. Um, this one's from Dylan. The title's email is Daily Schedule. Hello, Nathan and Curtis. Thanks for all you do with your show and individual channels. The reason why I'm writing in today is because I'm struggling to get games in with my schedule. I work from 8.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. and I wake up at 7.30 a.m. So to get eight hours of sleep every day, I aim to be in bed by 11.30. I go to the gym every working day, which is about 30 minutes from work, and I'm there for about an hour. Then 30 minutes home means I'm getting home at 7.30. If I immediately cook dinner and eat, I'm probably not getting on the computer until almost nine. After all that, I've found it very difficult to even get two games in with reviews as my mental focus starts uh, waning. It has felt like getting the games in has become like a part-time job where I have to do it at the expense of my free time. As a result, the days where I skip out on playing have become more frequent. Do you have any advice on this general burnout I've been experiencing? I want to play the game and I especially want to enjoy playing the game as a choice of how I choose to spend my free time. As it stands now, I feel like every day I have no free time between work, gym, cooking, and league. Great question. I want to take over this question because right. this is something that I've spent a lot of time on. Okay, so the first thing is that life's about choices, right? So so there's two, there's two lenses I want to attack this question through. There is the one of optimizing your current schedule and the other one is about more choices. Like, you know, you can't have everything. Life's about sacrifices. You've got to make choices and make sacrifices. You can't have everything, okay? So League is not really a great casual hobby, right? Where you can just whip one game a night. It's just not going to work, 
Um, and so, so you're not going to be able to, you know, from the sounds of that schedule, you've just, you've just like outlined, it's just not going to work. So then the question becomes, okay, how important is league to you? Well, if league is that important and, and you know, you really want to play it and it's important to you, well, you're going to have to make some sacrifices then. Okay. Well then, and it might be all right. Well then maybe I don't go to the gym five days a week during the week. Maybe you go one day on the weekend or maybe you, you go four days a week or I'm sure there's something you can do with your gym. You don't need to go to the gym five days a week. And I'm not saying, and this is, I'm just, again, you might have specific goals and you're trying to do bodybuilding or whatever. That's okay. Mm. I'm just saying. But like, then again, that's a choice. That's it's a choice. It's a decision. Effort. You can't expect. That's right. It's yeah. like you're playing two games at once at that yeah. point. You're, if you're driving to the gym half an hour there and back or whatever. Yeah, you can view it like you're trying. Five tr- days a week. It's like two games. You're, you're trying, trying to, to be like it. a Counter-Strike player. And league. A player and a league player. That's yeah. right. So there's that, right? There's that thing. But if we're talking about optimizing schedules, there is things like meal prep. I've actually now started in my household doing meal prep because I didn't want to spend time making my dinners and my lunches. So what we do um, to get more specific is on a weekend, we cook a lot of meat, right? With no flavor. And then, so this is a, a meal hack, a meal hack. So what we do is like, so we cook like 2.5 kilos of beef. Oh. And then what we would do is then you would allocate, you would put this beef in like, containers and then you would use this beef for other meals so what you need is three parts to a meal there's there's the the, the meat there's the flavor and, and like the and then the carbs so you could have that meat with a specific flavoring and then make wraps you could have that meat with a stir fry and then with rice brew meat you got a stir fry you could have that meat with whatever you, you just have insert carb insert flavor and then insert like one veggie with the whatever with the meat so you can actually meal prep really, really easily. Or when you do come to make the meal, it's just like plug and play, plug and play, plug and play. So we've drastically reduced our time spending in the kitchen through this method. And it's completely been a game changer. And you can save up to like an hour a day. So think about it. You see, he said between 7.30 and not, it takes him between, he gets home at 7.30. He's not on the PC till nine. If you didn't have to cook a meal and it was just plug and play, then you could save an hour there potentially. You just got to shower quickly. Boom, you're on the rift. You might be on the rift by 8.15. That's 45 minutes or something or 8.10, you know? That 50 minutes could be the difference between getting two versus three games in and then boom, you got a three block. Mm. So my point being is that there's things you could probably do in your schedule to optimize time efficiency. And that's just one of the meal purposes, one of them. And again, that is a choice and that is a sacrifice because you're going to have to spend that time and obviously a meal prepped, you know, a meal that's prepped in advance obviously isn't going to be as delicious as a full cooked meal from scratch. So there's always sacrifices. Again, you've got to make the choice of what's important to you. So that's that's my advice. I like it. I just I just want to get the math straight up down, Curtis. One three block a day, three times by uh, how many days in a year, Curtis? Around 365. 365. It's almost like 360 times by three. That is 1,080 games, Curtis, if you do one three block a day. Just to straight up get that fact out there. Okay. So we're definitely not going to do that. No, we're not going to do that. But like, that's just, that's right. that's a lot of games. That's a shit ton. You know, even if you're cutting that off by like, you know, you, you miss you a lot of Cut off by like 400, honestly. Yeah, that's 700 games. Yeah. That's, that's enough to, to be a really hard, that's a hardcore ranked by, I'll yep. say, playing that. Yep. One three block a day. Yep. Right? Just get that context out there. Uh, yeah, I, I like the way you approach that, Curtis, about the angle. The only thing that I'm there is like, you'll say, oh, okay, well, that's great, Curtis. I'm meal prep and stuff, but I'm still tired after my whole day in gym. And again... Figure out a way. If you have to have a coffee at 3 p.m. 
yeah, to, get to get you through. To get you through, yeah. Or you have to start having green tea in the afternoon <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is, dude. Like, yeah. just figure it out. I mean, even then, like, I would love to get a case study of just show me three block, five days a week of low intensity three blocks. I still think it will be fine. You, you still, as long as your brain is still functioning. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you can no, still 100%. I actually, yeah, it's a really good point. Playing on 80% intensity is better it's than fine. nothing. And then on the weekends, you can play with high intensity. Yep. So I'm just people, and there's a lot you need to think about. That's just plant some seeds in there, you know? Yeah. All right. Our last question here is um, where was it? I had it here. I'm losing it. Oh, here we go. This is uh, an interesting one here, Curtis. So this one's from Javier. I think I pronounce it. Coaches contradicting themselves. Hello, Nathan and Curtis. Huge fan of the Broken by Concept podcast. It's insane how much you guys have improved since the first few episodes. Keep it up. I resonate with your idea that, for example, a diamond one player with a champion pool of four is likely an overall better player than a one trick given they are the same elo. And I agree playing different champions is essential to avoid narratives and biases that can be harmful in the long run. Another coach that I follow and respect, Vega V2, also generally suggests having a small champ pool, but recommends two to four champions, not just one. The problem is that even though people like you share this advice, more often than not, they don't reach high elo that way. Oftentimes people will reach master GM challenger by being a one trick or at least changing their champion based on meta, but playing mostly one champion. I haven't found that many examples of people that improved all the way from, let's say, platinum to GM playing four champions. I just see them widen their pool after reaching a certain elo. When I look at the ladder, I find either people that have been GM plus for years and play whatever they want, usually two to five champs, or pure one tricks. And these OG highly players are also former one tricks many times. Thoughts? Yes, 100%. So um, I agree that mo- so at the moment, you basically see one or two. You spot on. You either see one tricks or you see people that can play like five champs. Like us, like me. I play five champs in my pool and I'd be considered like a classic like high elo player, right? So basically what you've got is that um, to be a sustainable long-term high-low challenger player through many years, a lot of the time you're going to just want to, yeah, you have to go down one of those routes, right? Um, And so, yeah, I would say most... Okay, so let's let's, let's be careful here. I I actually don't believe, if you look right now, that most challenger players are one-tricks. I don't... I mean, I don't have the stats off on my head, but I'll say definitely not most. I don't. I'll just definitely say not most. I'll no. say the majority definitely have a champion of multiple champions, right? Mm-hmm. Now, um, whether they got there in the first place as an OTP, I don't know. It's 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 again, I don't have that stat to really back that up. At least from my firsthand experience, versing the players that I see on a challenger basis and players that I coach, yes, there are one tricks, but there are a hell of a lot of people that just have a champion of two to three champs. They climb and get very good at those two to three champs, and then they expand from there. Or maybe um, they were they did get to a specific high elo as a one trick, and then realize okay, this wasn't for me, and then expand. So I don't really know really what the question is. I mean, is the question that there, there isn't just not many people that get to high elo with a champ pool? That's right. Yes, um, that's the basic the, the right. Sense. That's the contradiction. Well, again, I can't comment until I see the stats because. Um, from my experience, that's not really the case. Hmm. I mean, what do you think? Again, I don't want to say something that I haven't got stats for. 
Yeah. Uh, well, my philosophy on the game, what I've seen with my clients at the end of the day, they can play like rotate with a couple of champions maybe, but at the end of the day, their big jumps is only with one champion always. It's not with two champions. Um, if they do big jumps again, so if we're talking about like say diamond four to diamond one, it's pretty much just going to be one champion where they get all that rank from. And then again, maybe they'll switch out to another, maybe meta champ or something like that. I mean, again, it's sort of just going to, it just so much changes for the person. Like yeah. how many years have you been playing the game? How much muscle memory have you built mm. versus, you know, you're a newer player. Like, you know, again, this is where like stuff like, you know, recommended champ pool, you know, it, it just really depends. It depends on how you want to do it. Okay. So and if you join, some people just literally cannot play one champion. Yeah. I think that it's very, There are so many things here at play. There are there are there are players who have a champ pool of say three, but then what they do is that they they play majority of a, a one champ through a particular rank. Like you said, they let's say they play Rexai, Elise, and then whatever. Let's say they play the Rexai, Elise, Sidwani, right? They might have got majority of their LP from Diamond Four to Diamond One with Rexai, and then they had like, you know, ten percent of their games with Elise and Sidwani. Mm. But then when they get to Diamond One, they realize okay, I don't want to do this anymore. And then they go from D1 to 300, maybe playing way more release. Do you know what I mean? So what does that mean? Does that mean they did climb with one champ or did they climb with two champs? Because they went through different phases. Mm. So like, I think it's very hard to say definitively how the majority of people go about their climb, even if what it looks like on the surface, they got their LP with one champ. You know, it depends because they might've got their LP through certain periods of time. So I think the, the way you should frame it is that you can do it however you want. There are people that have done it. I've got people in my programs that have done it with one champ. People that are done with two, people that are done with three, and there are people that are done with four. Mm. Like I've literally seen all of it. Mm. I've seen all of it. So anything is viable. It's however you want to do it. I will say though that in in uh, let's say in platinum and emerald, I don't would ne I mean let's say emerald specifically in emerald, I wouldn't suggest ever having more than like I would say three is a lot in emerald. Three is a lot. Yeah. Like I would prefer two. Yeah. And in diamond, I think three is a good amount. Um, again, you can have two, you can have one, but I would say three is a good amount. And then in master plus, I would suggest personally four. Um, and then like GM plus you could even have five. Hmm. So that's my suggestion. Yeah. I like that. I mean, my coaching, my advice, what I spend my energy and effort to, I don't really think about this much like hmm. tier lists, champles. I just really just focus on the decision-making and how can I maximize my, what I'm doing every day is thinking about, okay, this is my client. How can I maximize them playing this champion to get as best results possible? Well, what I'm is a bit of both. I'm actually a bit of both. I'll do both. Like I literally had a review today where I did an Annie review with a master tier client. Mm. And I said, all right, we, we covered like, all right, um, looked at the details, looked at the trading patterns, looked at like what they could have done in that game. And then I said after like, why'd you play any of this game? It's just shit. Whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Like you say that in a review. Yeah. I say that. I talk about that. Yeah. I think it's important for a master player. Right. It's like, why are we playing the champion? Like in this game? Like, do you know it's shit? You know, type thing. Yeah, you just got to be aware of it. Like you got to be aware again, of it. This again might be where our roles differ again. Right. But that's, uh, that sort of stuff is so boring to me. I do sometimes talk about, I do aw make it aware. It's like, right. this is a really bad game. Maybe for maybe this is just a di role difference because I, I, I feel I like I'm a fraud if I don't talk about it. Really? You think so? Because if you don't understand what makes... So I literally did a review with a platinum Casio this week. Yeah. And I said, don't one trick Casio. Yeah. Don't. Just stop. It's not a good idea. <laughs> Just stop. Because you, the levels you would have to be at the game to climb Casio blind every game is insane. You're playing the game on in, in incredible fucking extreme hard mode. 
like we do I reviewed a game when I'm like okay we're playing Cassio in this game you're versing like high, you're versing a Syndra and an Ezreal and a Zyra or something and I'm like oh no it was Ori it was Ori, Ezreal, Zyra in the game and I'm like dude the micro you would have to have like that to, to, that to get to win this game you would have to have Master Plus micro in Platinum to win I'm like we can do this if you want I'm just making it clear to you this is the skill set you would have to develop to climb as a one trick Cassio. And I just said, stop, dude. Don't do it. Like, you can one trick Cat, you can one trick Talon, you can one trick certain specific champions. One tricking any champion mid, you can't do that. Just don't. One tricking a niche, like, if you one trick Vex, you're going to struggle. You one trick Lissandra, you're going to struggle. You one trick any of these niche counterpick champs is just, it's just stupid. It's just straight up stupid. And like, I mean, and, and especially, and, and this is in, in Master Plus, I'll, I'll, I'll say like, if I think the game is, is bad for your champion, I, I ask, did you have to blind or did you try to swap or did you have another champion in your pool? It's just a fact. I don't want to play, like I said, I use that example. I, why the fuck are we playing Orianna into LeBlanc Rek'Sai? What's the point? Hmm. That's it. So this is where the roles differ in my, in my opinion. Or maybe yeah. our coaching philosophies differ. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I am obligated if you can't clearly articulate what makes a good game for your champion and a bad game, then you're going to struggle. It's very important. I you have to right. have that knowledge. Yep. If you were to think about, Curtis, some junglers that you verse, right? Mm. You, you were talking about your mental block about Evelyn. Evelyn one tricks. I permaban Evelyn. There yeah. you go. You could Evelyn one tricks a challenger, right? Yeah, I would agree. You know? Uh, well, like, there is, it's proven. A champion like... You listen to that some champions like Lissandra and Cassio and stuff like that. Yeah, I'll put like champions like one trick in Zin Zhao. Like you're gonna lose your mind a little bit. Yeah, there. it's not possible. But stop. the champions like Karthus, Karzix, yes, Rexar. There are certain champions that you can. I mean the ju- the ju- the jungle pool's relatively big. I think in terms of that, you know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you're switching out. You know, uh, the AP and AD is obviously a thing. You're gonna as have well. hard games, but for the most part, you can. Mm. Again, I think jungle in general, like, like. Again, like you just don't interact. You don't have to interact. You don't have to worry about the counter pick as much. There's things you can do to minimize the damage mm-hmm. of being a bad game. Like, especially with your rec side, like no matter what game you're in, no matter how hard it is, there's always going to be an opportunity. I can win the game. You can yeah. win the game. Yeah. You, there is going to be an opportunity where you can do something to win the game. And that's just the benefit of the jungle role. That is, that's just it. All right. It's yeah, positives yeah. and negatives. How do you hear first, Curtis? Jungle is the best role in League of Legends. <laughs> it's a so great everyone, role. Join my jungle program. You can role. play any champ you want. Let's one trick it. Let's get into the details. It's, we're going, we're I will say though, I do think, I agree that I think your, I think coaching jungle and teaching jungle as a role is easier. Than, than, a, than a lane. I think there's less variables, in my opinion. Yeah. I got a better role and it's easier for me to teach. God, <laughs> I mean, I do you disagree? No, I 100% agree. Yeah, I can structure it's, things. Yeah, out. you can structure yeah. things. What You can plan shit more. Yeah, good gank, bad gank, and the mechanics. Well, because there's less, there's less variables. Yeah. Because, again, you go into a game, and obviously the jungle's part of I, I disagree. I don't think there's less variables. I think there's different variables. There's a lot in your mental stack as a jungler, dude. You got to think about Minuet. You can think about tracking all. Like, let's say the top jungle. You're gonna know what all three lanes are doing at all times. I agree. Wave I'm not saying, state, I'm not saying you have to process your camps, my camps, reset goal. I'm not like, saying you have to process insane. less information. Yeah. I'm just saying the information is more solidified. Like, like, okay, there are gonna be games where you're gonna have to be really cognizant about lanes because they could fuck up your jungle, right? Yeah. They can invade you or whatever. I mm. get that, mm. but I okay. My 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 uh, I Quarrel? guess. 
No, my um, contention here is that yeah. mid lane is more affected by jungle than jungle is affected by mid lane. So mid lane is affected more from other roles than jungle is affected by other roles. So what goes on in my lane and how much I can impact the game, I'm more I'm more impacted from other people than the jungle role. That's my take. And there's less there's I have less options in my in terms of how I interact or like let's say a support invades you or a, someone invades you. Yep. You have more ways to avoid that situation than a mid laner does. Like you have more offensive options, more things that you can do to respond to that. Mm. When a mid laner, it's like I either can contest or I can't. It's like that's it. Like a lot of the time. But that's not to say that influence over the game. No, I'm not every saying, role influence yes, is separate I'm, from That's right. That's I'm not saying influence over the game. I think mid lane has the same, if not more influence than a jungler. That's right. Overall. Overall. Like, throughout the entire game. Into, yes, and through the entirety of the game. Yeah. But I'm saying in the early game, which is the majority of what we teach, mm. is, in my opinion, a lot more to you to teach structure. Yes, yes, it's a lot more structured. Yes. But in mid lane you have I would say you have way more impact over the mid to late game for sure. Yeah. And even the early game, depending on your champ. But more often than not, I think, again, the structure is more... It's more in your control, I guess. In the early game. Yep, I would agree. But, yeah. We'll get the thumbnail of this episode of, like, boxing match. Like, Jungle <laughs> versus the Like, <laughs> which one's the better role? Yeah. All right, guys. I think that's it for yep. our episode today. Good work, everyone. Let's keep on improving. And we'll see you guys next week.